Years ago, and most of you know this, and we've, because, because I've been here thir- over 13 years and I've shared a lot about our, our lives, and when I think of silence and, and the need for silence and the want for silence, I, I think about when we lived in Italy. And uh, one of the reasons why I say that is that they had the Restaurante, which was, uh, you know, you and I think, in, if, if you live here, you think in terms of you go in, you sit down, uh, the waiter comes along, you order your meal, they deliver the meal, you eat it, and, thir- and, and sometimes in 45 minutes, you're done, you're out, okay? Doesn't work that way in Italy. Uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's a three-hour it's, it's three affair. And... And, 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 in fact, uh, it's just a different way of doing things. They bring this course, then that course. It's, it just takes forever sometimes, and that's okay, except that you never, like, you run out to get a bite and go. You know, like, oftentimes we'll hit McDonald's or a pizza or something because we're busy that night. No, 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 that doesn't work. But because of that, they have these restaurants. I could never understand. We would drive down the road, and people would be having a party, but there would be people walking around outside. And, and then we had a volunteer appreciation dinner at one of these restaurantes. And I bet we were there four or five hours, and you literally had time to, for the kids to go outside and play between the courses. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of ramping up to why it, about the, the, the silence thing. Because of that, the parties went on all the time. And, and uh, no one had air conditioning in, in, in those houses that we lived in over there. Every Big open windows. You know what happens when you have big open windows? And over, you hear everything. And I remember just being beside myself because of... Parties because uh, we lived in a nice, nice as they call them, parko, uh, a nice uh, uh, little subdivision. But drove me crazy. Um, it really tried, uh, you know. It just the parties were going on, and so when I like, that's a long way to say I like silence when I when I go to bed. And uh, silence can be a good thing, but sometimes it's a bad thing, or at least we think it's a bad thing. Okay, when we need to hear something. That we don't, that we're not hearing. Silence is a bad thing, whether it's in a relationship. Now, um, we're in the middle of, uh, of, of, of what some churches call Holy Week, Easter Week, um, and we, we want to, to, to kind of track on what Jesus was doing. You know, as you see, as, as, you, as you track on the, uh, on, on the ministry of Christ, you see a three year uh, event after event after event. But it comes to an end, or it comes to an end in the, in, in the context that, that we read about it in Scripture. And the ministry that Jesus had, had, had embarked upon three years earlier, at this point in time, in, 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 as we go through the Scriptures, it was almost over. Almost over. But it had some surprise endings. When I mean surprise endings, we've read the book, so we kind of know how it ends, right? We know how this thing works. I remember as a young, uh, young believer, a Christian, young Christian, every time I would read through, I kept hoping for a different ending. I didn't understand, <laughs> I didn't understand the whole, thing, whole concept, really, how, how Jesus needed to come and die uh, for my sins. Even though I had accepted him, you know, I'd still find myself so connected to the story. You ever, you ever get into a, you're, you're reading, and you're so connected to the story that you're saying, no, no, not this time. 
Yeah? A lot of people do that because you find that, you know, I mean, you have videos that have alternate Indian endings, right? You didn't like the one that, 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 the, that the producers, uh, so they give you the option of changing it. So it's, that's not an un, uh, unfathomable uh, desire. It's kind of a normal thing that we do when we don't like the way things are in. We didn't, I didn't want to see Jesus, uh, you might say, taken on trial. He's innocent. All these things are going against him. And it just over and over and over. And then they crucify him. You know, it's like there was something that cut against, uh, in me that cut against that. Even though it was for my benefit that he did that. All right, but let's, let's back up, and let's, and let's not go to the cross yet, but let's look at some things that are taking place as he proceeds to, to, to the cross. Now, remember, um, uh, oftentimes you'd find Jesus saying uh, to his disciples, your time is always here, but my time is not yet. It, that was an indication that he was extremely and completely aware of why he had come and how things were going to unfold. You read about it in the book of John where Jesus was, was kind of trying to prepare his disciples, but they didn't get it or wouldn't get it. And we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that now in, in just a, a few moments. Turn with me to Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 28. I mean, uh, most of the Gospels have some version of this story in it, and I've, I've tried to cobble some of this together so we'll get the whole thing. And this falls on the heels. Now, if you've been with me Wednesday night, you would know what took place just immediately before this and some of the teachings that that took place immediately before this. And it really makes sense if you just kind of follow it that way. Sometimes I hate pulling out a passage, but but time limits my capacity to kind of give you context, and I'll, I'll do it the best I can. It says, after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was heading toward Jerusalem. This was it. Okay? When he approached Bethpage and Bethany, now you remember those. They're just a stone's throw. That was the area that, uh, that, that uh, Mary and, and Martha and their brother Lazarus. That was their home. So he, and, and so he, had, he had visited with them many times, he said. And when he approached Bethpage, Bethpage and Bethany near the mount that's called Olivet, he, said to his, to, to, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you there. As you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it here. Now, uh, most of us don't say, well, how, how does this work? Remember, they know Jesus. He used to hang out in these little towns. And they all, and, and, and most of them were present, or at least they were aware, when he, he said, roll the stone away. And, and, and Lazarus' sister said, you know, Jesus, he's been in the tomb a number of days. He probably stinks. He said, did I not say to you that if you will believe that you will see the glory of God? Okay? And so what did they do? They rolled it away. And he said, Lazarus, come forth, and out he hops. Everybody knew Jesus. So it makes sense that, uh, I mean, it's like, when he comes, when they come and they, they, they say, look, we need this coal, people say, what do you need it for? It's for Jesus. Okay, got it. Makes sense. No, no mystery here. Just makes sense. He said, if anyone asks you why you are untying the coal, you shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent uh, uh, went away. And found it just as he had told them. And, they, they, and while they were, as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord has need of it. 
End of story. They gave it to him. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. Now, just a side note. Now, most of us think, we, Americans think in terms of power and horses. We think of colts and stuff as like, okay, yeah, yeah, if you, if you need to carry a bag of sand, put it on a, on a mule or put it on a, on, a, on a donkey or something like that. I mean, this is where, where our, our culture throws us off. For whatever reason, uh, reasons that we may not get because we're thinking of stallions and kings and all those kind of things, for whatever reason, that's not how it was there. Kings rode, rode on uh, donkeys. Yeah, Americans wouldn't get that, but that's, that was a sign. Okay? And no one had ever ridden on this one either. And, and Debbie uh, so well, uh, so well read to you the, the Ze- uh, Zechariah passage that was, was like this, this, this messianic message. Behold, your king comes to you riding on a colt, the foal of an ass. Okay, I lapsed into uh, a King James language there, but, but you get it. Okay, this was, this was way back in Zechariah, and he says, this is how the Messiah will come. They knew this. They had heard this before. Okay, so Jesus, they get, they get a hold of the, the colt. They brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on, on the colt and, Jesus, and, and put Jesus on it. And as they were going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully and with a loud voice and with all the mir- uh, for all the miracles they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, cool, just a cool note. I collect rocks. I mean, I, I, and, and that, that's, that, that's neither here nor there, except that I collect special rocks. I don't just get gravel, okay? <laughs> but um, I have some, uh, every once in a while, a friend of mine will go someplace, and I'll say, bring me something back for special. And uh, like uh, Will. Now, I've been to Iwo Jima, and Will uh, Surratt. I don't know why, what I was thinking, but I didn't pick up any sand while I was on Iwo Jima. That's, that's kind of like a, a hallowed ground for old, for old jarheads, you know? And, and so, but Will was flying through there, and he brought me back uh, a, a tube of sand from Iwo Jima. So I've got that back there, okay? I have a friend who went, uh, uh, I believe it was, Elise, didn't you, didn't you bring me some stones from, from the Dead Sea, right? When you were over in Israel. Mark Parsons, the pastor of Camp Street Methodist, he says, uh, said, I'm going, he said we, we do these uh, Good Friday services together every year. He says, I'm going to Israel. What do you want? I want to bring you something. I said, bring me some dirt, man. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get to why I want the dirt, okay? And uh, he says, and, and he said, okay. I said, I want some dirt from the Mount of Olives. Yeah, all right. And, and he came back, he says, Bill, I couldn't bring dirt, but I bought rocks. They wouldn't let me bring dirt, but I brought rocks. Now, why would I want stuff like this? You know? I mean, think about this. This is the same hill that Jesus rode down. It's also this, it's, it's like ground zero for the return of Jesus. Okay? I want some of that. Yeah? I always thought that if, if, if we ever build a building, I wanna, I'd want to 
And when we were doing, when the guys were doing the concrete work, I'd figure out exactly where the, 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 this area right here would be, right in front of the pulpit. Shh, throw those stones right in there. Just, just, that's just Pastor Blair being Pastor Blair. That's what I like. I like those kinds of things. I mean, there's significance there. See? And, and the truth is, is, it doesn't cost a lot. Oh, what do you want? I want a rock. Okay? There's significance in these things. Significant. Okay. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. <laughs> and they were shouting, Blessed is the king who, in the, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, it says that some of the Pharisees in the, uh, that were in the crowd said to him, Teacher, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they were using messianic uh, language that, that they were aware of. And the Pharisees were saying, oh, whoa, whoa, they got it. They got it. They understood. And even though they didn't, and the problem was they didn't accept what was happening, but they were saying, Jesus, do you know what your disciples are saying? You've got to shut them up. I mean, this is going to cause problems. We already know that they want to kill you. This is just going to make things worse. I'm putting in some words, but I think this is what, what was happening there. And what was his response? He said this, but Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. <laughs> I think I've got some rocks back here that have potential. <laughs> potential. Jesus said that they could praise him. Okay. <laughs> okay. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even the things which make for peace, but now they have become hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the day of your visitation, the time of your visitation. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all those who were selling, saying to them, it is written, and my house will be made, shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. Now, let me throw some Matthew in here. Matthew, the 21st chapter, uh, that, that just gives us a little bit more of the details. He says, uh, at this point in time, uh, even though he, he had been there and he had cleansed the temple one more time, it says, and the blind came and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, do you hear these children? Hear what these children are saying. And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself. And teaching in in Luke 19 again, 47 and 48, and he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And they could not find anything that they might do, for all the people were hanging on every word. I just have a few things to share with you. 
sounded like a perfect day. Sounded like a perfect event for Jesus. I mean, he had gone to Jerusalem many times, hadn't he? And in the, in the context of, of his ministry, he had foiled the I mean, the Pharisees were not his friends. I mean, there were times when he healed people, and, they, and rather than rejoice that someone's hand had been completely made whole or someone's eyes had been opened, and rather than rejoicing that a lame man could now walk, that lepers were now cleansed and could be with their families, that people were no longer, you might say, at the, at the, the whim and, and the control of demons. I'm just thinking of some of the things that he did. That, that people who had come to him, he had taken bread and loaves and fed thousands. I mean, sounds to me like a whole lot to hate, right? This Jesus of Nazareth, who had done all of these interesting and incredible things, and more. And more. says that he healed everybody who came to him. That's what he said. That's what it says. Everyone who came to him. I can see why they hated him. I mean, he, that means he's such a, such a, such a, 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 a rascal. He did all these horrible things. He healed people. He fed people. He gave people hope. He delivered people from the hands of, uh, of uh, he, he even clothed the guy who was running around a graveyard naked. That's what the world will do to you. Take your sight, take your, take your, your, your wealth, take your family, take, you know, you know, leave you, you know, at the, it's kind of a, kind of a crazy thing to find at the end of this guy's road of whatever he was doing, the best that the enemy could offer him was nudity and craziness in a graveyard. That's where the enemy will take you. Maybe not there, but someplace like that. Whatever it is, it won't be good. But Jesus is the deliverer. And he came and he walked for three years. And as we look at this passage, we see things coming together that even the disciples aren't getting. Because he told us, look, I've got to go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man's going to come he's going to be lifted up and, and he's going to be mocked. He's going to be, he told them this stuff. And, and, and Peter's response was, oh no, Jesus, no. And Jesus' response to him on that fateful day, he says, get behind me, devil. God had a plan. And nobody understood it. It's funny because it was there. How is it that we don't understand God's plans? Is it because he's not speaking to us? Is it because in his word he has not revealed himself nor his intention to us? Is that why we don't get it? Well, I'm looking at the disciples. They didn't get it for other reasons, I think. There was certainly a reason for the celebration that day, wasn't there? Zechariah 9.9, as, as, as Debbie read, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. In other words, Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king's coming to you. You know the one you've been looking for? He's coming to you. 
He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. There was certainly reason for celebration, but I think the disciples, now, now when, we think of, of, when we think of the disciples, we might be thinking of 12. But we know that there were a lot more than that. It was enough to, make, uh, uh, to upset the people of Jerusalem. We know that earlier in the book of Luke, we find that he sent 70 out. So there had to be at least 70 that were so, kind of like in an inner circle. There were, there were, there were thousands. And I don't know how they pulled all this together, but as, they, as Jesus rode down this hill, it was pandemonium. We were in a men's, speaking of pandemonium, <laughs> we're in a men's worship thing uh, in Olean. And it wasn't pandemonium, but there was a lot of shouting, a lot of, a lot of victory, dancing, worship and stuff, a lot, a lot of noise, but there was a lot of noise this day. And it says that they were cutting the branches. They were taking what clothes they had extra and laying it down on the path in front of Jesus and shouting these messianic labels as he rode into Jerusalem. All right. Now, disciples made a lot of noise. But we see in the scripture says the people in the street in Jerusalem, some were hanging on his words and some were just saying, well, who's this? I said, well, this is Jesus, teacher from Nazareth. Okay. So we've got a lot of people trying to figure this out. Israel's spiritual and political leadership, how'd they respond? Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And they were seeking to destroy him. That was their fun. His disciples were, 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 were rejoicing. The people in the streets were saying, Who, what is this? And the, the leadership was saying, we've got to get rid of this guy. He's making too much, he's, he's, the people are hanging on every word. We're going to lose our position and our place. Yet in spite, well, what, what were the disciples expecting? We see this earlier in the passage, and I've shared this with you before. What were the disciples expecting? They were expecting him to go into Jerusalem and turn it upside down. That was their expectation. Their expectation was that he was going to bring the kingdom now. And you see this. And and, and they were wrestling. They were scrumming, so to speak, uh, right 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 before this event. You know, they even sent mom in. James and John. Was it James and John sent mom in? The sons of Zebedee? Said, mom, why don't you go? I mean, you know, you're... He's a soft touch for you. He likes you. And go to, go to Jesus and, and ask him for us. And she, she went, to him, went to Jesus and said, look, I've got something to ask you. And says, speak. He says, I would that when you come into your kingdom, my sons will sit on your right and on your left. He kind of pushed her back on that one. Okay? But it tells us this, no, no matter how that lands out, it tells us that, that, that their expectation was well, that when Jesus stepped into Jerusalem, that he would throw off the Roman rule, that he would set himself up as king, and we'd have uh, you know, the new positions. They thought it was going to happen right now, right then. That was their expectation. In spite of the things that Jesus said, I I asked earlier, why is it that we don't hear what God is saying to us? He was trying to, Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, he was telling them that I'm going to Jerusalem and there I'm going to die. 
Now, how is this happening, though? And the better question is, is how is it that even though God speaks to us, reveals himself to us, reveals himself to us in his word, and by the Holy Spirit, that sometimes we don't get it. Now, I understand that sometimes our listening is a little off. Anybody ever not be able to hear God because for a variety of reasons, I'm, I'm there. In this case, sometimes when you want something and you've kind of locked on to that thing, anything else that, that comes toward your hearing, you don't hear. Does, does that make sense? Something that you want, something you expect, and if something else shows up, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to miss it. And that's what happened to the disciples. Uh, the parade ended. There was no overthrow of Roman occupation. And at the end of the day, the high priest was still the high priest. Herod was still the king. And they're scratching their head. I love the, uh, just, just a couple of, 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 of details here. I love the way that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he, one of the first things he did is went into the, into the, into the kingdom, or into the, into the temple, and he cleansed it, Right? What I mean by cleansing, he drove the animals out, turned money changing tables over, and preached them a sermon. And he came back at the end of the, and they're still doing the same stuff. Still doing the same stuff. He said, my father's house is is to be made a house of worship. You've made it a den of thieves. Disciples made a lot of noise. The people were there. There was, the parade had ended, no overthrow of the Roman occupation. At the end of the day, the high priest was still the high priest. Herod was still the king. And there was a silence. Uh, at least that's how I see it. The silence was the silence of expectations that weren't fulfilled. They expected something that didn't happen. They expected him to be king and them to be uh, you, might, you might say Secretary of State, Secretary of the Navy, Secretary, you know, you know of, the, of the shekels. I don't know. But their expectations weren't met. And I see, I see Jesus going into Jerusalem, and as I read the passage of Scripture, I see him cleansing the temple, and then they leave. That's what I see in the disciples. You know, I, I can imagine there, there are people like they're, just, they're probably shuffling their feet looking at each other and says, well, now what? I mean, the problem was is now that they'd given up everything. They'd given up everything and followed this man. And now they're standing, and I, I'm guessing here, they're standing looking at each other and saying, well, Peter, you know, it's like these, these looks, it's like, what are we going to do now? What's next? And then Jesus begins to talk, and you'll see this in Matthew, the 24th chapter. He talks about how uh, not one stone is going to be left upon another, and all these things are going to happen. We see some of the things about the Roman, or the Roman invasion and everything. That, that's here, too. It's almost like, you know, I just got a picture here. You know, 70 years later, the zealots tried to throw the Romans off, tried to bring the kingdom back in. Reminds me of the time when, when Israel had the chance to go into the promised land and wouldn't. And once they realized they'd made a mistake, they tried to force it themselves. 
See, God has a plan. When we try to do it ourselves, pandemonium and, 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 and failure erupts. And you see that, you see that when Israel tried to do this themselves at the, around 70 AD, it's recorded by the historian Josephus that the very thing that Jesus spoke of took place he, as he spoke to Jerusalem. He said, oh, he wept over Jerusalem and said, oh, if you'd only known the things that belong to your peace, but now they're hidden from you. And, he, and then, he go, then he slips into this, 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 this verbiage where he says, and they're going to surround you, and they're going to put battlements up against you, and they'll take every stone down, you and your children within it, because you didn't understand the day of your visitation. Okay. Wow, that's some, that's some powerful stuff. But wait a second. He was supposed to set up the kingdom. It's interesting. He knew what he was doing, and he knew what was not going to happen because it was at the approach of Jerusalem. He knew that when he went into Jerusalem, he would not be received. Because it was at the approach of Jerusalem before this ride down the, the, the hill, the Mount of Olives, and into Jerusalem, that, that he spoke these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only known the things that belong to your peace, now they're hidden from you. Disciples missed this. We would have missed it too. Okay? The silence was the silence of expectations unfulfilled. Okay? They were surprised by this. The kingdom as they believed, as they expected, did not come that day. Life in Jerusalem was seemingly unchanged that day. The entry of Jesus, perhaps a blip on the local radar, a short soundbite on Jerusalem's evening news, if they had such a thing. Looking closer, we see him and the things that he intended to do. No doubt the disciples were baffled, but I've said those things. But Jesus wasn't surprised by this silence. Wasn't surprised by this silence. He knew that a sacrifice had to be made. Okay? Jesus had spoken to his disciples about this. They either couldn't or wouldn't understand. Let me say this, that in spite of everything, God had a plan. God knew what the plan was. Jesus knew what the plan was. It was consistent with the law of sacrifices. It was consistent it says that, 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 that in order for you and for me to be Set free from the power of sin, something had to die. The penalty, the scripture says, uh, uh, for sin is death. Something had to die. God knew that. Oh, and someone said, well, why doesn't God just suspend the rules and be a nice guy? All dogs get to heaven. You know, that kind of thing. Why not do that? But because God is a righteous and a holy God and won't break his own law. But here is the love of God that we find in Christ Jesus. That even though you and I could not die for our sins, He sent His Son so that He would. That's the, that's the grace, that's the power. That even though He would not break His law, even to the point of, of, of sending His own Son to fulfill the law for you and for me. That's the power of this. That's the power of this. And Jesus knew when He went into Jerusalem, when He 
long before he stepped into Jerusalem, what awaited him there? A sacrifice had to be made. He had spoken this to his disciples. They either couldn't or wouldn't understand. God had a plan. Sacrificial in nature. The results, woohoo, were magnificent. The weight of sin left my spirit when I said yes to him. He's opened my eyes to to wonderful things. He's given me salvation, filled me with the Holy Spirit, given me a hope and a future plan. And, he's, and I say that, but he's done that for all of us here. And not only all of us here, but everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus from that day forward till, till, till the day that he comes home, that, that he returns and calls his church to himself. Let's talk about the silence and God. Silence can be deceiving. Right? We have expectations of God. We have expectations of God. I'm just kind of making this, bringing this home a little bit for us. Okay? And sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations of the moment. Anybody with me there? <laughs> Now, we're tempted at that point in time to do what the disciples did because we're, 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 we're kind of caught in the, in the vein of what have you done for me today? Not about, you know, it's just, we forget. We forget what he's done for us over and over and over. And I talked about that in Surprised by gratitude, Ingratitude, right? Now make a list, make an inventory. What's God done for you? But we forget that list and when we're in a tight spot, or we think we're in a tight spot, or we know we're in a tight spot, or something's not working for us, or, or, or we have a desire, something, and we're, we begin to pray. We begin to call upon God, and, and it looks like he's not doing anything. I mean, are you, God, are you in the bathroom? Are you on vacation? Oh, I know what it is. I'm not a very holy person, so you don't listen to me. I remind myself of my own sins. So I've got to work my way into this, right? I've got to be really, I've got to be a good boy. And then you'll listen to my prayers, right? I mean, we go through all of these things, don't we? And the sign, and we take the silence of God or what we think is the silence of God that he's, He doesn't care, that He's not on the job. That he has kind of pushed the pause button in our life. Yet, we know that God had a plan here, didn't he? Was was it a good plan? The disciples didn't think so. They They were probably picking out their houses already in Jerusalem. Once I become... You know, the secretary of, of, of shekels. Once I become the secretary of this, once I'm on Jesus' left and right, I got, you know, see, so they didn't see it. The world offers, a, the world and some churches in the world offer a gospel that's simply a baptized American dream. 
It, it, I mean, it, oh yeah, we, we, might, we might genuflect toward the cross and realize that, that somebody had to die there and I'm so glad now he's going to make me wealthy, healthy and all the other things that, that go along with living in this world. I want you to know there's sacrifice. There's blood. He did it for us. And he's still doing it for us. The silence that we often think is silence. God still hears our prayers. He says he hears our prayers. When we jump to those conclusions that he's not listening to us, he doesn't care for us, we haven't been a good enough boy or girl for him to listen to us, it's all a lie. It's a lie. He says that I hear your voice. That the prayers of the saints are are collected in this, 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 this basin before the very throne of God. And that if you, if you will seek Him with your whole heart, you will find Him. He's there. He's here. He, he hovers over the face of the deep. He's creative in what He does. Let's take another step. You're His prized possession. You belong to Him. He calls you His own. And he tells us, tells you, he says, pray. Anything you ask the Father in my name, I will do. We do that, and then there's this period of time, and we say, God, oh, that, must, that didn't work. That didn't work. We try something else. I'll do it myself. All kinds of things. In the silence that the disciples experienced, God was doing something new and wonderful that would break the back of sin forever, that would, that would relegate Satan to his, his, his hole, that he would deliver, that he put his, put his love and his, and his word in your, in your heart, give you a new life that you'd never had before, give you a hope that you'd never had before, give you, give you back your purity that you gave away, you threw away, thought it was cheap, kind of like, like was, it, was it Esau? That sold his birthright? Thought it was, just looked at, looked at what all the gifts that we had had, that when we started out with, we just kind of thought they were cheap and just gave it away. Our purity, our, 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 our intelligence, all the things that, were, that God gave us and made us, made us pure. We just kind of sold them easy. And he came, kind of like, the man who, who uh, the prophet who, who married a prostitute, God says, I want you to go buy her back. <laughs> I want you to go buy her back. God bought us back. He, he, he brought us into his home. He gave us a new set of clothes. He put shoes on our feet. A ring of ownership on our hand. And threw a big party. God is doing something even if, if even even when you think he's not in that place of silence where you where you've called upon him you have to believe that he is that he that he that he heard your voice because he said he did and will what does the scripture say do not consider the silence of God as if he has not heard you. He's only long-suffering. Long-suffering, caring, working in you. 
He's got another plan. You may not fully understand the plan, but it's a good plan for you. It's a good plan for me. It involves salvation. It involves his wholeness. It involves his peace. See? Surprised by the silence? I'm irritated by it sometimes. God, I want it and want it now. <laughs> I want it and I want it now. But God has a plan and I have to trust him. Your little girl, your little boy, ever ask you for something? And, they, and, and you knew what you were going to do? You knew perhaps what they were asking for wasn't the best thing for them, but you had a plan, you were going to take care of things. You think they didn't get frustrated? Mommy, I want it now. They, they couldn't see what you were doing, what you were going to do. And they were frustrated. But you had their back and you were taking care of business. And that's just you and me. Just little old us. God's way bigger than that. I don't know what. We have some music. We're going to worship. I don't know what period of silence has been in your life. What I mean by that is that you may have asked God for something. You're still waiting. You're still waiting. You may have asked God to do something in your life, and you're still waiting. And every thought of well, he's not, every thought comes up. You know, I've not been a good boy or a good girl, so God doesn't listen to me anymore. I've got to work harder here. Or maybe God really doesn't exist. Maybe, maybe he's out there somewhere, but little, you know, Jim or Joe or Rocky or Jasmine. He doesn't pay attention to these little people. You know? I mean, any, with anything to try to figure out why God hasn't answered. Faith is always connected to what God's promises are. I don't care where you are. He's not going to leave you. I don't care what you're involved in. What, he's not going to leave you. He knows exactly where you are. <laughs> he knows what you need. knows what I need. The silence is not his absence. God's working. He has a plan. He's hurt you. He's got a plan. Stand with me. As we worship, I want to open this altar for anyone who wants to come and talk to God about their silence. Their, that, that, that space of silence, the thing that they're looking at, they're reminded of, that place, that place where you're saying, God, where are you? That place. That place. You've prayed. You've asked for something. It just doesn't seem to materialize yet. And I'm not talking about goods and products. I guess that could be it. But life is way deeper than stuff. Life is about relationships and peace and our, sus- our sustenance. Life is serious stuff. He says, I, I, I love you with an everlasting love. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He provides. This altar is open for anyone who wants to talk to God about that, that space, that thing, where they feel that God's been silent to them. Frustrating, isn't it? Anybody with me? Frustrating, isn't it? Disconcerting, isn't it? 
He's saying, trust me. He's saying, trust me. He's saying, trust me. I'm at work here. I know who you are, and I know where you are. Trust me.